Hello, friends. Welcome, welcome. I'm Holly Sexton, and you are meant to be here right now listening to this podcast. Megan Cable is the reason you're here today. Megan and I met up at her house in Vine Grove, and we talked about hopes, fears, excitement, and tears, and everything that goes along with motherhood. Previously on the podcast, we've talked about fertility issues, choosing to be childless, miscarriage, choice, and family planning options, stillbirth, cradle death, SIDS, and many more topics that are difficult to discuss when you aren't sure how or what to say. Megan Cable exemplifies bravery in motherhood, career, and beyond. In this podcast, we talk about bravery a lot. I know Megan will inspire you, and she'll say something that will bring encouragement, peace, and wisdom to many areas of your life. Thank you to our Boss Lady Coaching sponsor, Fort Knox Federal Credit Union, people helping people at fortknoxfcu.org. Thanks for listening and sharing. At Fort Knox Federal Credit Union, we've got your back through all of life's biggest moments. Like when your daughter looks in the mirror at the bridal shop and says, This is the one. When you walk through a home that you want to make your own. This is the one. Or when he tours the campus for the first time. This is the one. Fort Knox Federal Credit Union has money to lend for each of life's precious moments with low-rate loans for every celebration. Stop by a branch or visit fortknoxfcu.org for more information. Equal opportunity lender. I'm in Megan's beautiful home in Vine Grove, and I've been wanting to talk to you, and especially before you go on maternity leave, because you're going to be a little busy. Just a little. (laughs) So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, for those who aren't familiar. You're a local. Yes, I am. Born and raised here in Vine Grove in the Radcliffe area. Went to Vine Grove Elementary, JTA, graduated from North Hardin. Um, I went to Western Kentucky University um, and then just decided to get married right at the end of almost my last uh, semester at Western. Um, And then my husband and I, Mike Cable, moved to Florida for a couple years. Um, We lived in Louisville for a little bit while I was traveling full-time for my job. And then we moved to Texas for a year. And now we're back here at home exactly where we want to be. What's it like being home for both of you? Oh, it's definitely interesting. Um, Whenever we first thought about moving home, like, okay, do we want to be home? Do we want to be near all of our family again after we've set, you know, set up a marriage and began a life away? But then the more we thought about it, we said, you know, we want to raise a family near our family and raise a family in a town that we love and that just loves the people that live in it. And so that was a huge reason why we moved back here. And you can feel that. My first apartment when I moved to the Hardin County area was in Vine Grove, and it's like coming home. Yes, it is, exactly. My grandparents live two minutes away. My parents live five minutes away. Mike's parents live ten minutes away. So it's just, it's home, and anytime we need anything, anytime we just want to stop by for a bowl of ice cream, we're just a couple minutes away. So we we love being home. I love that. And for our listeners who don't have that, those relationships, I often think of what it would be like, for instance, when I see my mother, I give her a big hug and I cry because I don't know when I'm going to see her again. Mm -hmm. What's it like to have that, not that urgency, but you know, it's like, oh, see Thursday or, you know, whatever. What's that? That's what's that like? It's I haven't definitely that. yeah. It's I mean it's a it's kind of new for me as an adult because I lived away as soon as I went to college. You know I came back every maybe once or twice a month if that. Um, so I've been away since so I went to school. So you know that feeling. Yes. That, oh, let's yes. hug. Oh my gosh. This is a huge deal. And, Anytime yeah. we came home for Christmas, whenever we were living in Florida and Texas, probably the first 
two hours of the drive away to go back to our state we were living in, I would be in tears, just bawling. Um, I love spending time with my family and I loved being home when I was, when we lived away. And now I don't feel like I take the time with them for granted. I still appreciate the time that I get to spend with them. I had dinner with my mom this week, um, just kind of on a whim and I still got to appreciate it and still got to love the time with her. Um, with you being so transparent and open on social media about your story, and that's why I'm here because of your bravery, do you think that you would be able to process the things that you do without your family unit around you? Like um, if you were on your own right now, yeah. going through the things that you're going through, how do you think it would be in Texas or Florida as opposed mm-hmm. to being here? So um, a quick backstory, um, we actually have had three miscarriages prior to um, what's going on with Ellie right now. Um, My first was when we lived in Florida. My second was actually two weeks before we moved back to Kentucky while we were living in Texas. And for the second one, I actually had to have um, the DNC procedure. So I had to go through all of that with just Mike by my side. And with that, it made Mike and I so much stronger together um, so that whenever we could come home and we are going through the things that we're going through, um, we have our families by our side, but we are so strong together that we don't feel like we have to lean on them 100%. We can lean on each other. And then just having our families right next to us is just an added bonus. Again, I love your bravery and your positivity in saying this is what came out of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the chaplain at Hardin Memorial Hospital. Yes, um, I am. We did a podcast together and um, we talked about the challenges of her being a, a female chaplain, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate that she's experiencing some of that discrimination, not in the hospital, but sometimes from oh, people yeah. she encounters on the job. But um I'll put a link on this podcast. You can go back and listen to that if if you want to be encouraged by her message. But she had so much to say about saying the wrong thing and people not knowing what to say and the awkwardness that comes along with miscarriage and any any kind or pregnancy in general. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes people, they just don't know what to say yeah. or they say really inappropriate <laughs> things or they try to touch you. So anyway, we talked a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have that podcast already. So I wanted to talk to you about something that I've never experienced before, which is someone um, being so open and honest without being private. Mm-hmm. You've been personal, but not private. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I know you, but I don't feel like um, I don't feel like you've compromised anything with the privacy with your husband or your mm-hmm. family or yourself. And that says a lot. It's very difficult to navigate those waters. Oh, so yeah. it, it really reflects to your career, which is social media and marketing and um and being able to connect with people. Mm-hmm. You have a gift for connecting with people Thank and for you. communication. Um, so I can see that unintentionally. It's interesting how things in our career kind of spill over into yes. other areas of our lives. And I'm just really impressed with the way that you handle your your Facebook lives and, and anything that you put out there, blogging, whatever. Yeah, we definitely, um, you know, there's parts of it that I haven't shared openly, you know. The, um, yeah, the private yeah, part. Or yeah, that are the really, you. yeah, those deep emotions. Um, you know, I still feel like I'm being transparent because I think that it's very important for someone to be transparent as to what's going on. 
after my first miscarriage, I had no idea of anybody who'd had one. I felt like I not I didn't feel ashamed, but I felt like I would my body wasn't doing what it was supposed to as a woman. Um, and so I t- I didn't tell anybody. Nope. It was just Mike and I and maybe like my best friend and my mom. We were very quiet about it because I didn't I thought maybe this is just a fluke. You know, is this what is this what being a woman is like? Um and the answer and, is yes. Yes, it is. exactly. And I didn't know the statistics. I didn't know the community. Um, and then after our second in Austin, that's whenever we started sharing openly about what was going on in our lives. And it's like people just came out of the woodwork. And there was just such an incredible community of women who were out there who were willing to not not share their stories publicly, but share them with me. And that made me feel really good. It made me feel so much more confident in myself um, and feel like, okay, I can do this. I can handle this. You know, this is just another stepping stone. This is just something that I can work through um, alongside some other women who have done it the same. So you got a lot of hope. Oh my from gosh, that yes, absolutely. And so that at that point is when I decided that I want to be open and I want to be honest with what's going on because I didn't know until I had shared, you know, the people around me who had experienced that. So I want to be that for other women. I'd like to be a voice for them. I'd like to be an encourager. Um, so that's really why we have been so open and been so transparent. For those listening who say, "Oh, your third time." Um, they would lose hope. What did you feel at that point? Um, so I talked about our first and second miscarriage, the one in Florida and the one in Texas. And then, um, so we moved back home in February of 2017. My third was in May of 2017. So just a couple months later, um, we were, you know, very eager to start a family. You know, we're home, we're around our family. We, you know, we want to have, you know, that experience of a new baby here with our family. Um, so after that, I... Not that I got really, really discouraged, but it was more so maybe we just kind of, we don't try again this year. You know, we just take the rest of this year to breathe, to pray, to commune, um, and to just enjoy life being home again. And so in October, it was, it was a little bit of a surprise um, that we were pregnant again in October. And um, at first, you know, I came out and told Mike, oh, I think we're pregnant. He's like, all right, Okay let's go to the doctor. So that was, it was just kind of more so, I'm um, just, all right, here we go. We can handle this. You know, if something happens, something happens. Um, if she gets to be born into this world and we get to snuggle her, then that happens too. So, um, it was definitely a crossroads of, is it exciting? Is it scary? Is it, um, do I feel like I don't know what I'm doing and do I feel ready? Um, which is which are everything. feelings that you feel every time you yes, get pregnant. Yes, no matter what. No yes. matter what. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All those feelings. And, yeah, are we ready? Uh, can I? Mm-hmm. Are, you know, all just all those feelings that you have. And then during the pregnancy, and then, well, it never stops. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when children are involved or making babies, it never stops. All those never. feelings. Never. Yeah, it's definitely the feelings have not changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And daily for sure exactly yeah so we're definitely um you know we're still excited we're still ready for what's to come um did we think that it was going to turn out this way absolutely not um 
if you read a lot about miscarriage, you see that the percentage of um, having a miscarriage completely, you know, decreases once you hit the second trimester. So once we hit that second trimester. I didn't know that. Yes. So it goes down to like, oh, maybe it's like a 15% chance maybe five I can't remember what the exact percentage is but making Um, it yes yeah then that's yeah that's where that turning point is and so once we made it to that second trimester we're like okay we got this we have made it past the wall we are doing great now we're just smooth sailing till the end so it's definitely it's been a roller coaster of you know making it through the first trimester you hit that you know plateau of we're hitting the second trimester and now it's just back up and down since then were you sick did you what did you feel in your first trimester oh it was awful (laughs) i i you know it's it's the nausea i don't know about you but there's nothing like pops the candy Peggy pops yes saved my life so i also could only eat um saltines and watermelon and popsicles. That is what I lived on. And then sometimes my body let me eat Chick-fil-A. Every now and then. Yes, every now and then when it decided to work. So actually that first trimester was a part of, um, excuse me, the holiday season where everybody makes the candy called Christmas Crack, which is made with saltines. Oh, yeah. Perfect. No. So that means all of the saltines at every grocery store would be sold out. <laughs> oh, no. So anytime I was able to snag a one box, I just tried to hoard it and only eat like one or two at a time. Amazon. 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 Oh my gosh. I was already Amazoning enough preggy pops. <laughs> Those things are wonderful, by the way. They if you're listening. Work. Yeah, they're wonderful. Yes. I had like the whole jar and every purse that I carried because it was the only thing that really settled my stomach. They're wonderful. Oh, yes. Big time. (laughs) So um, out of the first trimester into the second trimester. Yes. How's that going? So second trimester started in February. Um, so February was a pretty chill month. We, that's when we found out um, that we were having a girl. Um, and then that's whenever we saw the um, cyst in her brain at that appointment. Um, so we, so that same appointment. Yes, same appointment. You got the high. Yes. And then you got the, the should we worry? A little bit, yes. Um, so it was more so... Um, this can happen in a lot of babies, and it's nothing. So we thought it was the it's nothing, um, and so we also didn't get enough heart pictures while we were there that day. So they wanted us to go ahead and go up to maternal fetal medicine in Louisville, um, just to get some extra pictures, see what's going on, make sure we see enough of her heart. Um, so March was definitely the tough month. So that's where you know uh, February was that high of the roller coaster, March was that low of the roller coaster. And then um, April went pretty pretty great. Um, just kind of at that point, we were in the um, accepting of everything. And um, where do we go from here and how do we handle this? And then once May hit, that would be our third trimester. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Second trimester was definitely a lot of ups and downs mm-hmm. for sure. Um, when you were told information <clears throat> about Ellie? Ellie. Ellie. Mm-hmm. When you were told information about Ellie, um, what was your reaction and your husband's reaction in the moment? Because it's so, hard to process things. Oh, yes. So we heard information kind of multiple times. So when we first went to maternal fetal medicine in Louisville, um, they did the ultrasound. It was about an hour-long ultrasound. And then the doctor came in at the end, and she also did some ultrasound looking. 
Um, and then she took what she had, went to her office for a little bit to read through everything, kind of digest. And then she met us in a room and she said, you know, these are the things that we think might be going on. So um, the main one that she said was trisomy 18, and that's um, where there's the third copy of the 18th chromosome. And um, she said, this is really what I think that it is. And so I was like, trisomy 18? I don't, I've I don't, never heard yeah, of it. Yeah, I don't know what this is. I don't know, like... I think, and you couldn't like, Google it, like, the Yes, right, right then, because I'm Cause sitting like, in front of her. Wait a second, okay? I need to Google this. Pause. <laughs> be right back. Yeah. Let me Google, and now we can resume. Yeah. Yeah, so we were just like, we didn't know what emotion to feel because we didn't know what it was. So she said, you know, it doesn't always have the best outcome. So we're like, okay, what do you mean by that? She said, you know, it's, it is, it, it is, it isn't treatable. Um, there can be surgeries and medical intervention to help her. But um, if this is true, then she won't last more than a year. So we were like, okay. And then they also said that sh they think that she had some major heart issues. Um, cause when we were watching the ultrasound, the left side of her heart wasn't moving. It wasn't functioning only the right side. So she said, we're going to start with a fetal heart echo and then let's go from there. She said, because the trisomy 18 she said, I'm really thinking that it's that, um, based off of her heart, but also just based off of her size. Cause she was measuring in the third percentile. So she was really tiny. Yeah. Um, so she said, with those two things coupled together, I think that's what this could be. But let's try the heart first. Let's see what's going on. So this was like the very first week of March. So the next day, we went back up to Louisville, went to Norton's Children's. And it's moving pretty quickly. Oh, yes. At this oh, point. yes. Absolutely. They, they were amazing at making sure that, you know, we do things as quickly as possible to find out our answers, to know what to do. So the heart echo went perfect. Her heart was functioning. Nothing was wrong. The cardiologist was like, I don't even know, like, I was like, I don't even know why you're here because it's just perfect. I was like, but yesterday it wasn't moving. She said, I have no words of what to tell you because her heart is perfect. So I was like, well, all right then. I'll we're take good. it. We're in the clear. <laughs> At that point, I wasn't even thinking of anything else yeah. because they said that, um, you know, really we only think it's trisomy 18 if there's something wrong with her heart. So we're like, our heart's perfect. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. So um, we went back to maternal fetal medicine that day. And if something had been wrong with her heart, then we would have done an amniocentesis that day. But Which is not a fun procedure, by the way. No, it is not. Yeah. Um, so instead, we did the quad test that day. What's that? So the quad test, I, I don't know how to explain it very well because I'm definitely not a doctor. But it's a blood screen that they do, um, and they test for all the trisomies. So they, so they drew blood. Yes, yeah. So it's just a blood screening. So it's not diagnostic. It's just to get information to see maybe this is what it could be. Okay. So we did that that day. A week later, it came back positive for trisomy 18. Nothing else. So just that. So we're like, okay, we can handle this. Like, it'll be fine. Um, so we, the very next day, we went up for an amniocentesis. So that's the five to seven inch needle being inserted into your abdomen and at that point I'm like you know my abs aren't very strong you know because I'm growing a baby and she's like kind of shoving the needle down in through my abs she's like oh you have really strong abs I'm like thank you that's all the time you spent <laughs> in the gym leading up to this yeah yeah I've been doing that every day <laughs> 
so she. You're like, are you yeah. sure? <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and so Mike was actually back there with me. My mom um, was able to get out of court that day, so she drove us up there so we wouldn't have to drive. Because um, at that point, it was kind of becoming more real that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that she could be there. Oh my gosh, you. yes. So Mike went back with me. They did the amnio. It was like six vials of amnio fluid. Like, it was insane how much they took out. And as a woman, I'm sure you're like, leave some in there. Yeah, like, she needs some cushion, please. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Just leave it in there. I need her in there, please. So they took a bunch out. um, And then a week later, we went back up to maternal fetal medicine for a follow-up ultrasound. And um, she had grown just, like just minuscule like just had in two weeks she hadn't hardly grown at all um I mean she her heart was still beating she was still alive but Mm -hmm. she just hadn't really grown um and we still didn't have the amnio results back about a week later it was I think it was April 1st we got our amnio results back that she was positive for trisomy 18 so that definitely was that's probably the hardest day out of all of them to get the information that we were hoping we weren't going to get um, so March was all that waiting. Yes. What yes. did you do during that month to help yourself? I wouldn't say be distracted, mm-hmm. but to stay your positive self. Yeah. Did you do any? What tools or, or, or tips would you share with somebody? Yeah. That got you through March. So the night that we came home um, before the fetal heart echo, um, my parents and in laws came over. Um, my. Uh, my husband's dad anointed me with oil and we prayed hard over my body and over Ellie. And then the week that we um, got the quad test results, our small group came over that Wednesday night and filled our living room and we're praying over Ellie and we're praying over my body. So you're saying pull in people in your yes. circle. Yes, absolutely. Bring the people that are around you. you. Yeah. The, so the night that my in-laws and my parents came over, um, I happened to see my mother-in-law um, out because I was just like trying to not be in the house by myself. And she said, we're coming over, we're praying. And I was like, I, and I didn't want anybody here. I didn't, I wanted to push people out. And she said, this is not the time for you to push people away. This is not the time to push God away. This is not the time for that. This is the time where we dig in and we pray hard and you bring your people in close. And because she said all that, that was really the turning point for me of, okay, this is where we bring people in. Isn't that interesting about sorrow and anxiety and fear is that what it causes us to do is to cocoon or close in on ourselves or to shut down Mm -hmm. when in fact the thing we should be doing is opening up and reaching out for the sunlight of our friendships and our family and our faith and our hopes and um, it's just such a puzzling thing that it's um, it seems instinctive for us to shut down Mm -hmm. and I speak from experience when I experience something that makes me feel all those negative feelings I don't want to be around anyone or no I don't one. want to do anything that I enjoy or anything that's pleasurable. And I, I could ask why, but the point is, is that you, someone who loved you, mm-hmm. looked at you and said, I know what you want to do, mm-hmm. but that can't that's happen. That's not it here. That yeah. can't happen. Yeah. And we, um, our group of friends, we usually meet almost every Friday night doing something um, at one of our friends' houses in Elizabethtown. And we'll just hang out and enjoy each other's time and, you know, play games 
watch shows or a movie or something. It's just that time where we have our community and that has been the best for Mike and I. Um, it's just a bunch of couples that they were all in a small group together um, and they have been there for us since the beginning. Since uh, we found out that we were going to have a baby, they have been there from the get-go. And so everything with Ellie and with her diagnosis, they haven't gone anywhere. And so they're like, you know, we're still doing our Friday nights. We're still, you know, going to go out to dinner after band practice on a Thursday. Um, I and, like that. That's really important, too, oh, yeah. for people to understand uh, routine. Yes, and to stay in your routine. Yes. So you don't get away from the things that you do find enjoyable and the people. Exactly. That you find enjoyable. And for me, if I don't stay busy and, and not not distract myself because I That's what I'm saying. Not distract. Yes. You still need to feel your feelings oh, yes. and think thoughts. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. You have to work through what's going on. If you ignore it, if you shove it under the rug, when it happens, it's going to hit you so much harder. And it's not going you're not going to get yourself out of it as quickly. For me, if if I stay busy and stay active and involved in my friends' lives and involved in my family's life and, you know, staying active in work and keeping up with that type of thing, then for me, I'm still able to understand what's happening in my body and what's happening with Ellie, but I'm also not getting lost in pain and lost in sorrow and lost in, you know, she's going to pass away. You know, I don't want to get lost in that because I need to accept it. But I also have to continue enjoying life and living through everything. Um, for those who aren't familiar and haven't Googled it, mm -hmm. maybe shouldn't Google it because <laughs> that's not always the best course either. Oh, no. Um, what is trisomy? So trisomy 18, um, there actually usually comes with a lot other issues. Like I said before, heart issues. Um, but her heart's fine. Her heart is fine, yes. Um, whenever they would do an amnio, normally you'd pick up a lot more illnesses that are going on in her body, mm -hmm. but nothing else came up. It is just trisomy 18. Um, so without medical intervention, so if we chose to not do medical intervention when she's born, um, then she would pass away within a couple of hours to a couple of days. Um, medical intervention would mean that she would be um, immediately kind of taken into surgeries, try to figure out what is going on with her so that they can fix. Um, she'd be on breathing tubes, feeding tubes, and it might prolong her a year or a couple of years. Um, I've seen lots of kids who have, you know, made it up to their early teens. Um, but for us, we have chosen to go the non-medical intervention route. Um, and let me say to that as well, it's a personal yes, choice. Yes. Whatever the parents decide to do. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. You know, we... We prayed hard. You know, we went through every option. We didn't just make this on a whim because we didn't think we could handle it. Um, to us, how can we keep her from a beautiful kingdom of heaven with zero pain and zero illness and just being in the arms of her creator forever and just enjoying that to keep her on earth with feeding tubes and breathing tubes. And that to, to us, that was just too selfish of us. Um, that's true. That's more about wanting. Yes. Us wanting to keep her here. Keep her here. And, um, you know, a lot of people ask us, you know, how did, why would you make that decision after you've already had three losses? Like, wouldn't you want to keep her here? 
of course I want to keep her here. Of course I want her to stay here. Um, you know, we had her nursery done in February. So of course we were excited for her to be here. We don't want her to go anywhere. But I also, I just can't rationalize her staying here whenever she can be, you know, in a happy, perfect, and beautiful place. Um, so that we did You're not... a mother. Yes. <laughs> You're a mother because that's what a mother chooses for her child. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately is to say a child above self. Yes. And that's what you're doing, really. Yeah. Mother to mother. You're, <laughs> you're mothering. You. Yes. And that's, that's definitely, um, definitely what kind of came, how we came to that decision. Um, but that doesn't mean that we haven't given her these amazing life experiences. I, and I love that. <laughs> and it's so fearless and exciting. And, and you're having all the milestones yes. that a baby and a mom and a dad and a, and a family should have. Exactly. I think that's wonderful. Yes, we took her on a motorcycle ride. My husband has a Harley and he is all about his Harley. He loves his motorcycle. And um, just recently in the last like year and a half, did I ever feel comfortable riding it with him <laughs> so we're like you know what we should take ellie on a motorcycle ride just one because i don't want to overdo it <laughs> but let's just take her on a ride so that she can experience the bumps and the excitement of you know going around a curve or whatever and hear the sound exactly and, yeah. and mike was so excited for that that was like one of the things that we talked about you know when, it, when would we allow her to ride on a motorcycle with him? Like, at what age are <laughs> yeah. we comfortable with that? Um, so getting – that was probably something that was really exciting for him. Um, and then I, I told you before that I lived in Florida for a little bit, and my best friend still lives down in Florida. So I took a weekend – um, and she and I went down to Florida and we got to hang out with my best friend, Erin, um, and meet her family. So those experiences that we wanted to do that we um, had already planned on, like going to the Strawberry Festival every year down in Plant City um, with Ellie and with Erin. Um, and that's something that's that we're not going to get to do. So we wanted to do things like that now yeah. so that we can let her experience it. Because when my heart races, I know that she feels it. You yes, know? everything chemical happening. Exactly. Happens to Ellie, and she's experienced every time you're happy or every time you're joyful, she gets all those wonderful yes. chemicals, and she gets all those chemical hugs exactly you know, inside your body. Yes, yeah, so I wanted her to be excited for the yeah. things that I'm excited about and those experiences that you know we want her to experience. Um, so yeah, we've gotten to give her some fun life stuff. Yeah, and I love that you did maternity photos, which yes. I hope you'll you'll share with our our podcast listeners. Oh, absolutely! You know, I loved seeing that because your body does change yes. tremendously. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's it's something as women that we have to um, we have to give grace to ourselves, mm -hmm. and we also have to um, be respectful of the process mm -hmm. and I think the to me the maternity photo shoot is very important as a transition sort of like your wedding day yes. or you know your first job or when you graduate or you know whatever it's one of those the maternity shoot is this is my body now this, mm -hmm. these are the changes that I'm going through this is where I am and and the glowing you know, you're glowing yes. <laughs> in your photos. Thank so, you. um, what was that like connecting with the photographer for that? Because you've done so many sh photo shoots yeah. with your past and pageants and that kind of thing. What was different about that in, in doing, a, say, a photo shoot for a pageant or modeling or mm -hmm. something? 
So if I'm being quite honest, I did not want to do photo shoot at all. I did not want to do maternity photos. I said it as soon as we kind of found out what was going on with Ellie. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want, not that I don't want to remember this, but I felt like that was something that happens right before you give birth you know, just a couple weeks before. And to me, I don't want to remember, I didn't want to remember the last few weeks before I was going to meet her because that to me was the last few weeks before I have to give her up. So like I a marker of sorts. Yes. In your timeline. With yes. Ellie. So I, I didn't want to. And then I just woke up one morning and I was like, you know, I think that this would be important. You know, this will remind me of the beauty of her life and the excitement that we were still feeling Um, because between March and now our attitudes really shifted. It was, it turned into a, I'm going to lose her. She's going to die to let's give her all of the life we can now. And I want to remember everything that we have given her now. So the photographer um, was Maggie Corsi, um, and she's one of those Friday night friends that we get to hang out with every Friday night. Um, And she is just a wonderful friend of ours. Um, And she actually, she does a lot of wedding photography photography and babies. And um, I asked her, you know, Maggie, would you consider doing pictures? And she, without a second of like, not even like two seconds went by when I texted her that. She said, yes, yes, we're doing them, yes. <laughs> so I was so like, like, she was just waiting yeah, for she's you to been ask. Waiting. Yes, that's what she said. She's like, well, I've been waiting for you to ask me. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, Maggie. She's like, I'm ready, let's go. Um, so we actually, we, we did them two days later. She's like, we're not going to let you back out. You're going to, we're going to do them. <laughs> so we did them two days later um, in my parents' backyard, which is where we did our engagement pictures. Um, and we've done Christmas pictures there together, Mike and I. So it was, and I also grew up playing back in that field. Um, oh, so Ellie got to play in the same yes. place you got to play. Yes. How cool. So that was, yeah, that was definitely a big deal for me. That's where I wanted them to be done because that's where I grew up. Um, so I wanted her to have that time playing back in there. Um, and then whenever Maggie sent me the pictures, I was just a ball of emotions because they were everything that I could have wanted and more to remember her and remember her life. Um, and that was, yeah, it was just incredible. I'm so glad you did it. Me too. Me too. For, I'm for all of us that have been, been following you, and, and that's the thing too, I don't know if you've seen an increase in people sharing your messages. Um, just like you, where you were able, once you found out about, or you had your first miscarriage, um, you found this community of people that you didn't know existed mm-hmm. or didn't know you needed or didn't know you could help. Are you finding that now? with other people? Are there other people? And that's part of the reason I'm here. Oh yeah. Is to help other people navigate something that they may be going through that's really difficult. Oh yeah. Um, I've had a lot of people reaching out, um, whether it's, you know, thank you for sharing your story because I just feel like you are giving us hope. Um, or it's a, you know, I've also experienced infant loss and I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Here's some resources that have helped me or books that I have enjoyed that have really gotten me through. Um, and there's a girl actually that I went to high school with and she was a couple years older than me that just mailed me two books this week saying, you know, I lost, but these are two books that really helped me. So I'm excited to read those. Um, or it's just, you know, thank you for being honest and thank you for being open. Um, 
but it's it's definitely brought a lot of people to understanding what's going on because we don't talk about this a lot. Um, and I found that whenever I had my first and second, you know, miscarriage, it just wasn't discussed. Um, and so I feel like, you know, as open as we were then, we should be open now and say, you know, this is what's happening now. I want to be here to help you. And also, you know, love on us too, because we want to love on you. And, you know, I think that whenever you are being joyful and positive, it's not a one-on-one thing. It's a community thing. So in order to feel joy together, I think you have to have that community of people. Um, and so we've really seen that through sharing on social media um, of the community that want to be in joy with us. Yes, you're right. And there's such a sense of belonging in yes. what you're doing. And really, ultimately, people want to have joy. Mm-hmm. They may not know it, but they want to have <laughs> joy um, and, and they want to feel like they belong. Yes, I don't care. Even if they say they don't want to belong, they want. <laughs> they do. They want to belong. You still and they, want they some want type it. of community. Yes, absolutely. Um, so there's so many questions that I want to ask you, but one of them is: How did you decide what to share and what not to share? Mm-hmm. Is there a process for that, or do you go with your gut? How do you handle that? I think it's more so going with my gut. I know the things that I want to share. Um, And I I think I'm very cautious of it um, because we're not sharing for any type of attention or any type of pity. And that is something that we said in our Facebook Live whenever we shared, you know, officially what's going on with Ellie. Yes, we're sharing it because we want you to remember the goodness of God even in the disappointing times in life. Um, That can be a really challenging thing. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, and so that's that's why we have shared, and that's why we continue to share, um, because there are times in life where you have you know medical diagnosis that is going to last you know several years before you know something good can come of it. Um, so during that huge long amount of time, how are you going to find the goodness of God? How are you going to find joy? Um, whereas there are times in life that are really small and really short and it's not, you know, it's a disappointing time, but it doesn't last for a long time and still finding joy and the goodness of God in the small times too. I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, they talk about seasons of things or people talk about poetically about seasons of things and you're right. There are some things that you go through, maybe you have a bad boss Mm -hmm. and you know, you're like, you know, I'm going to find another job or whatever, or you develop skills to, Mm -hmm. to work through that. Yeah. But there are periods, you're right, where it's really long Mm -hmm. and you don't know how long. Exactly. And what habits and what are you going to do? Like you said, with your, what, what things do you pull in to strengthen yourself and to increase your faith instead of decrease your faith or, um, things that you can do daily, um, to incorporate in your life or habits. So Mm -hmm. you don't get down there for the duration. Oh yes. And we, we are not just living in joy every day. You know, we're not just like happy-go-lucky all the time. We are still very much feeling our feelings. Um, There are moments where, you know, I'm just, I'm still devastated and I'm still, um, you know, I'll still cry and I'll still feel those feelings, but I don't get lost in them to where I don't see the joy that is still there. Um, You know, 
after three miscarriages, we, we didn't think that my body could carry a child. So the fact that I am sitting right here, you know, almost nine months pregnant, <laughs> that's, that is a joyful thing. That's an amazing thing, you know, that, that still shows me the goodness of God. And you know what you can do. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You can bake a baby. I sure can. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're doing it. She is right here. Yeah, I'm silly. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah. So, um, after you made your decision about how you're going to handle after birth care, Mm -hmm. um, were people pretty supportive of that? Yes, actually. Um, we, I think, I think there may have been just one or two people that just really questioned it. You know, how, why would you do that? And I, I explained exactly how I explained to you. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, we understand. Um, so it was definitely was still received exactly how we really wanted it to be. Um, and so I actually have been hashtagging a lot of trisomy 18 on my post. Um, and that has attracted a lot of, you know, trisomy 18 moms out there. Um, and, so, I have, and I love that about hashtags. You're creating instant networks. Yes. Is what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I guess I didn't think as many moms would come out of the woodwork as they did. Um, and so it, it kind of, this, I'm still kind of new at the point where, you know, moms are reaching out. Um, and I'm still saying, you know, I'm guarding my heart. So this is our choice. If you don't agree or if you, you know, if you have something negative to say, then please don't respond because I am guarding my heart. You know, this is a decision that we made prayerfully um, and with wonderful counsel. So please don't, you know, mom shame me for the decision that we've made. And I guess I've been coming out of that with, you know, out of the gate with that when um, a trisomy 18 mom reaches out and they're like, we respect your decision. You know, we, we may not have made that same decision, but we still respect you and respect the faith that you still have. So I think that's kind of helped me out a little bit and knowing that, you know, there is another option, but people are also being very respectful of what our choice is. And I like that you said that about guarding your heart. Yes. Um, it's difficult depending on where you give birth. And I don't know if the, you probably, you're, well, you're eight months in, so you probably already made that decision. Oh yeah. But, uh, having other people that are involved directly or indirectly while it's happening. You know, I had a doula, I had a birthing mm-hmm. plan and all of that. And I was still offered medication mm-hmm. and all these things. Yeah. And so it's just, it. there sometimes we can't control other people's yeah. actions or their words. And I love that you put out there. It's okay if you don't agree with oh, this, yeah. but this is what we are doing. And we ask that you, respect that yes and I have very powerful I have some great dialogue with some with a mom the other day um on Instagram we um she was asking me like how did you come to your decision and why did you come to this decision and I you know I responded to you know I don't think what you're doing is wrong with medical intervention you are doing what is right to you and what's right for your child and I would never tell you what you're doing is wrong do I think what I'm doing is wrong? No, I think what I'm doing is right for us and for our situation. So I think it's it's different for everyone. Um, and I'm very respectful of what your decision is, even if it's different than mine. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. And I hope more people do that and communicate that <laughs> because it's so easy to get behind that phone mm-hmm. or the, the laptop or whatever and just hammer out some sort of insensitive 
um, hurtful things. So yeah. let's guard our hearts exactly. and also communicating yes. that we're we're guarding our hearts. Exactly. If I'm already communicating what's going on in our lives and I have to communicate the same thing that I am being respectful of you, if you don't agree, that is okay. You know, we all are having this freedom to have our own opinion. So I will never tell you that your opinion is wrong. I will never, you know, be disrespectful of that. But that also, you know, I do ask that you respect our decisions as well. So are you ready? Your bag's packed? <laughs> oh my gosh. My hospital bag has been packed since April. <laughs> with her with her diagnosis, they did tell us that once we hit the third trimester, that she could come at any time. Um, and they do. Babies come whenever. Yes. So I was like, I am ready no matter what. I have done so much Pinteresting on what to put in your hospital bag <laughs> that I have a bag and a half ready. <laughs> There's nothing is forgotten. <laughs> so yeah, we're definitely, bags are packed. We're ready. We're ready for the time that we get with her. And we're so excited for it for however long it is. Um because she has no other medical issues besides trisomy 18, um, they think that maybe she could come home for a little bit or she might not get to. So we are just prepared for either way. We're, our hearts are ready. Um, I think there's there's only so much you can prepare for with something like this. Um, but we're ready to love on her and give her so many you know people to meet and to snuggle um, in the time that we get her. So once she's born, um, do you plan to continue to do Facebook Lives or, or do you can do you want to continue to connect? Or are you going to take some time to yourself? Do you have a plan or are you just kind of winging it? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think uh, once she's born, we do want to share that she has, you know, entered the world because <laughs> we know there's so many people who are following us and following our story across the country that won't even get to be here. Um, so we will share when she's been born, um, and then we'll probably take some time to spend with her for as long as we get her. Um, and then after that, probably resume, share, you know, her passing, mm -hmm. um, share some pictures because we're going to have some newborn pictures at the hospital with Maggie. And one of my favorite, favorite things is, and I, I'm sure you, you think about this too, and I think most mothers do, what are... What is she going to look like? Yes. I used to think that about Tristan all the time. I was like, I can't wait to meet you. I want to see what what are you yes. what, what have I been making? Like, you, <laughs> you know? It's the best surprise. Yeah, it's like, oh, there you are. Yes. You know, and it's like this person you feel like you've known forever, but you're just meeting. Exactly. You know? it's such a special thing. Yes. And on our last ultrasound, um, a couple weeks ago, we saw that she has hair. So we were just no so wonder excited. You were so sick. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I came out with a full head of hair, so we are like, okay, maybe she's going to have a lot of dark hair because I already have some bows picked out that are coming to the hospital. Oh, I love it. Yes. That's wonderful. So we're, we're just so excited to see her and get to know her. She is so spunky in my belly already that I can only imagine how she is going to be when we get to hold her. So we're definitely, yeah, we're just excited for the moments that we get. I'm excited for you. Thank you. And you've shared so much good information. Um, this is your chance. What would you like to tell our listeners um, about the culmination of the things that we talked about? Yeah. The floor is yours, I guess. <laughs> your, your mother is is a judge, so there you go. <laughs> the floor fun. is yours. <laughs> um, gosh, there's just so much to say. Um, during times like this, it's so important to... Um, 
know your community that you have and to stay a part of it and to stay plugged in and to lean on the people who love you and lean on the people who have your best interests at heart. Um, and through all of that, to me, the most important part is choosing joy and to lean on your amazing father in heaven who loves you and who only wants the best for you and whose goodness is so beyond all comparison to anything else. So choosing joy, staying positive, being brave in the moments that you think you might be crushed by whatever is happening around you, finding the beauty of every moment and choosing that joy. Thank you for sharing with us. You're so welcome. This Boss Lady Coaching Podcast episode is produced in part by Fort Knox Federal Credit Union. People helping people. Visit fortknoxfcu.org. Enjoy free tools at bethebosscoaching.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Boss Lady Coaching. All podcast content is property of Megan Stiff, Holly Sexton, and podcast guests. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.